0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Monday, June 6th, and we are talking Pirates baseball once again with our Pirates reporter, Adam Barry. Adam, thank you so much for the time. And the first thing I want to say regarding Sunday's game is that the only, uh, the only knowledge I have of the game is from the 60-second highlight package that our outstanding MLB.com crew put together. In other words, I did not watch the entire game, so therefore – I don't know the circumstances that led to Albert Pujols uh, with his Angels team down a run, facing a left-hander in the eighth inning with the Pirates trying to protect that one-run lead. Pujols, of course, homers. Angels go on for the 5-4 comeback win after trailing 4-1 in the seventh inning. So please explain to me why Tony Watson was the choice in that spot instead of a right-hander to face the dangerous Pujols.
1: Well, yeah, Tony Watson is their uh, you know, their, their go-to setup man. He's been one of the better eighth-inning pitchers in, in baseball over the last couple of years. So uh, the Pirates really haven't shied away from him against any handed batter. I think he's had success against pretty much everyone. Although that was heading into this year. The interesting thing is he's struggled a little bit at times this season. He had kind of a rough patch right out of the gate, uh, really got it back together in a great stretch uh, in May where he barely gave up a hit, much less a run. And then the last couple of times out, he's just been a little bit shaky. Um, He said it doesn't have to do with, you know, necessarily mechanics or stuff. His velocity's fine and all that. It's just been a pretty simple matter of pitch execution. He's leaving balls out over the plate, up in the zone, as you saw that the Pujols homer was actually, like, way above the zone. It was kind of an unusual uh, pitch to swing at. But, I mean, Pujols still has that kind of power. He's killed the Pirates over the years. So it was no real surprise to see him get a hold of that one. But it has been odd. Watson struggle the way that he has at times this season.
0: No, even though you know Albert Pujols is not the Albert Pujols of uh, ten years ago or even five years ago, did it still kind of raise some eyebrows that you know as good as Watson's been, despite the recent struggles, that you're still talking a lefty-righty matchup here in a crucial spot in that game.
1: No, I don't think so. Clint Hurdle's not necessarily a batter-by-batter batter kind of manager when it comes to his pitching staff, and especially a guy like Watson, um, you know, you need to be able to trust him with not only the eighth inning, but the heart of the lineup in the eighth inning. You know, we saw Watson pitch a little bit in the seventh earlier this season because it was based on leverage. Essentially, if it's not Mark Melanson uh, facing the heart of another team's order, they want it to be Tony Watson. And you saw him get through, I believe it was Calhoun and Trout uh, pretty well. You know, Trout's obviously about as dangerous as a right-handed hitter as as you can find, uh, but then just couldn't get through pool holes. And like I said, it was a weird pitch that he hit, It was leaving that ball, so high up in the zone. It wasn't like he missed right out over the heart of the plate. Um, just a really high pitch. Pujols didn't miss it. Maybe he had a better look at it because it was a lefty as opposed to a righty. But I think the Pirates more pressing at third as getting Watson back on track so that they can trust him in those situations. Otherwise, maybe, I don't know, maybe you see tali Feliz a little bit more in those uh higher leverage moments.
0: Yeah, definitely a tough loss uh, for the Pirates. They were on their way to taking uh two or three games in that series against the Angels. They led 4-1 in the seventh. Uh, Garrett Cole on the mound. He gives up two runs and then Watson gives it uh, gives it away in the eighth and the Pirates end up losing five to four. They had a great chance in the ninth. I believe bases loaded for Sean Rodriguez only one away against a guy in Houston Street that just came back, but Street got him on the double play and it was just uh, that kind of a week for the Pirates. They've lost five of six games, but breaking down those losses, uh, Adam, three of the five losses only came by one run. Another loss came by two runs. Only one uh, blowout in that mix—a 9-2 loss to the Angels. In there, now of course that's a little consolation for the fans and for the players because L's are L's no matter what. But is it more of a feeling right now that the Pirates are just kind of, kind of catching a few bad breaks? They've had some bad luck on their side as opposed to the, you know, maybe just playing poorly over this stretch.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a little bit of bad luck, but I think if you're concerned about anything, it's kind of what we were talking about a couple weeks ago. It's still the rotation. Uh, Francisco Liriano doesn't look like an opening day starter, much less number one or two. He's really badly struggled. Um, Juan Nicasio has not been reliable heading out there every fifth day. Uh, That's something they kind of need to address, whether it's uh, specifically with Nicasio, with a Justin Masterson type waiting in AAA, or with one of their Top pitching prospects at some point is uh, shoring up that rotation because I mean they've had to use a lot of long relievers. They've been switching out guys in and out of the bullpen, and they haven't really found a lot of success anywhere but Mark Melanson and uh, occasionally Neftali Feliz. So, uh, pitching still an issue. The offense has turned down a little bit uh, since that great first month they had. Uh, somebody like Jordy Mercer has come back down to earth a little bit. Francisco Cervelli's not hitting for the same kind of power, and Andrew McCutcheon is still kind of a mystery at this point. He told us. In Miami, that has been uh, sort of nursing a, a swollen thumb, and he showed it to us. It looked like he had a, had a golf ball in between uh, the forefinger and thumb on his on his hand. That's a little bit of a concern. If he can't grip the bat and he's getting jammed inside, uh, that's still an issue. There are, I mean, really, it, it's been some bad luck, but there are still a lot of indicators that this team is not playing up to its full potential uh, at this point of the season.
0: Yeah, you brought up uh, Juan Nicasio, who, who of course, uh, had that amazing spring training, uh, made the rotation, which nobody saw coming. He's had his ups and downs so far. Uh, John Neese has been steady, but, you know, not not spectacular. He really really hasn't, uh, you know, blown the door off the hinges by any means. But if they do decide to make a move to shake things up, whether it's promoting Masterson bring it up uh tie on or somebody like that the one of the the highly touted prospects that uh Pirates fans have been waiting and dying to see uh, for all this time is nicasio kind of the odd man out is that the consensus right now i would think so
1: for a couple of reasons first of all he's had some success in the bullpen he did last year with the dodgers uh i think that was what we were all kind of banking on earlier this uh, this year especially in spring training when we predicted that the bullpen was going to be a strength of this team is that do in part to Nicasio. He could play kind of a swingman role, you know, go three innings, uh, you know, one time through a lineup, one day come back and be firing 97 in a one inning set. Uh, there were a lot of things to like about him in that role, and I think there still are. The other issue is, you know, he didn't pitch that many innings last, last season. It was basically around 60 innings, and you can't stretch him out like you would a starter coming off of that kind of workload. So, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to put. Nicasio back in the bullpen when that day does come, and I think it will be at some point later this month, uh, whether it's the next road trip or at the very end of the month. Uh, that series where they play two games in Seattle looks like a decent time to break in another starter. Uh, I think Nicasio would likely be the odd man out because the other struggling guys, you're not going to give up on Liriano. Jeff Locke has actually looked really good lately. He's been deep in the games, giving him quality innings. And John Neese is really turning things around heading into this start that he's making uh, tonight as we're recording this against the Mets, his former team. So, yeah, I think all signs would point potentially to Nicasio being the odd man out. He's not going to tip his hand on that, uh, certainly. But, uh, you know, you kind of connect the dots there and you can see why it would make
0: sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you brought up kind of my next point was that the one guy in this rotation who has certainly not been struggling as of late is who you mentioned, uh, Jeff Locke. He's been a much different pitcher these last four starts uh, in that mix, his first complete game and shutout and a 10 nothing win in Miami. His first seven starts of the season, not good. The ERA was a 5.45. The last four starts, almost half that, at 2.76. So in your observations of him, what is he doing differently in these last four starts in terms of uh, he- approach and execution on the mound?
1: Yeah, I think he's just been more aggressive generally. I think that was definitely what you saw in the complete game. You know, he was throwing strikes and letting letting the Marlins put the ball in play, and it worked for him. Um, he doesn't necessarily have that kind of great strikeout stuff where you're going to get through a game, you know, 10 strikeouts, seven innings or whatever. He needs to, to put the ball in play. That's the way the Pirates are kind of built, is they have a pretty solid infield defense. The outfield defense is obviously super athletic with Marte McCutcheon and Polanco Um you good uh, pitch calling and game calling behind the play with Cervelli and Stewart. So I think for Locke, it's just, you know, don't worry about nibbling on the outside of the zone because that's how you wind up walking guys and putting runners on base. And that time, you know, when that happens, then every single mistake hurts you. So you haven't necessarily seen that blow-up inning that uh, Locke tends to have over these last couple of starts because he's not giving guys free bases, essentially. He's, he's not making it any, any harder on himself. Pitch uh, selection-wise, he's throwing a, a more of a slurve, which is a fun word, breaking ball, than he used to. Um, it seems to be working pretty well for him, giving opposing hitters something uh, different to look out for than what they might have seen in the scouting report or coming out of his hand in the past. So I think it's just kind of all coming together pretty well for him. Granted, Locke has had some pretty good stretches in the past and then fallen off the track. So for him, it's more about can he be consistent? Can he do this or something slightly Below this performance, uh, you know, for a decent stretch of time to sort of nail down that spot in the rotation, is there's going to be more talk about Tyon and Glasnow now and all those guys coming up.
0: Yeah, hopefully a stretch that he can maintain, as you said, he's done this before, but it's it's not uh, it's not lasted. It's something that you know was temporary, three, four, maybe five starts. Hopefully this is something that can carry him uh, into the All-Star break and uh, beyond. And Adam, we hear sometimes that players prefer playing behind pitchers who don't necessarily strike a ton of guys out because the ball is consistently in play it keeps the fielders active and uh, alert and, uh, on their toes is that kind of how the pirates feel about Jeff Locke because as you pointed out uh in the complete game shutout of the Marlins uh, last week he only struck out one guy so the <laughs> the fielders were definitely plenty active in that game
1: yeah I think they do kind of enjoy that and we saw that when uh Garrett Cole had that kind of weird outing where he struck out nobody and gave up 10 hits is that keeps you on your toes when you're pitching at a, you know, consistent pace, you're getting the ball, you're throwing it. Cause that way the fielder, you have to be kind of ready and aware for every pitch, which is a lot more fun than standing out there in the grass, you know, <laughs> picking itself in the outfield. So, uh, yeah, I think they kind of enjoy that about Locke. It was what was kind of fun about Juan Nicasio when he was going well, a little bit earlier this season. And you've seen it at times too with John Neese, uh, that this team really enjoys uh, going out there and kind of letting their athleticism work for itself because if you know if the ball should not play with the infield defense they have, and especially the guys in the outfield, yeah, like there's a pretty decent chance that they're going to get to the ball, or you know, will be well positioned enough to keep a single, a single, or a double, a double. So basically, so long as uh, pitchers can keep the ball in the ballpark, you know, which was not the case yesterday, then I think Pirates fielders are pretty happy about it.
0: And Adam, to uh, wrap up here, the MLB draft, uh, hard to believe, is just days away, beginning on Thursday, and of course. Uh, The Pirates are going to be active with the other 29 clubs uh, in that draft. And is the Pirates' strategy, at least with their first selection, to take the best player available? Or is there a specific need that they want to address with that number one pick of theirs?
1: No, I think their thing is always uh, best player available. That's how – I mean, once you draft the guy, he's so far away from the majors. Uh, This is not a team to rush prospects, uh, certainly as everyone's seen over the last several years, uh, not going back even further. So, yeah, I think they're just going to look for the best possible a guy that they can get uh, in terms of talent. The last couple of years you've seen them, this is a year toward position players, specifically contact-oriented hitters. Uh, in the first couple of rounds, you saw it with uh, Austin Meadows and Reese McGuire, and then with uh, Colt Tucker, and uh, most recently with Kevin Newman uh, and to Brian Hayes. So I would not be surprised if they went back to that well, if that was available, that kind of you know high-average, high-on-base type hitter, uh, just because I think they view that as a way they can – overcome some of the advances that uh, pitching has made over the last several years throughout baseball. Um, but, you know, if the right arm is there, if it's a college guy, a high-ceiling you know, ceiling high school guy, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they went back to that. It's worked for them with Tyone, although a little, maybe a little bit slower than they expected. It works for them with Glasnow. Uh, so, you know, and obviously first and foremost is Garrett Cole. So they're strictly best player available. They have a really deep system, so it's not like they have a ton of glaring needs. Um, but, yeah, it's essentially just what's there for them, and you can't plan quite the same way uh, you could at the top of the draft when you're picking 22nd overall like the Pirates are this season.
0: Yeah, it is the ultimate crapshoot, the ultimate roll of the dice, always an inexact science when the draft rolls around. It'll be interesting for sure come Thursday night. Uh, Adam Barry, we appreciate the time as always. We'll do it again next week. Great stuff from you as always. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Pittsburgh Pirates.